Amen. Larry, sorry to point you out here, but it's good to see you this morning, Larry. You know? We're very thankful to God. Very, very thankful to God. It's good to see you this morning. Bless you. All right. Uh, why don't we uh, pray before we begin? Father, we just... Uh, <clears throat> Father, we ask that you would open our eyes, open our eyes to the reality of the battle that is being faced in the spiritual realm, Lord. But we thank you that you are with us, that you arm us, that you protect us. It's in your name that we can stand firm. And so, Father, I ask for your anointing over this sermon, over this series. I ask also for your protection, Lord God, from any retaliation of the enemy from hearing the truth. And Father, I pray also that you would anoint my words that as much as possible would be your words. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Am I on here? Yeah, okay. <clears throat> Sorry. Want to hear a funny story? Okay. So when I was about one week old as a born-again Christian, uh, I was 23. <laughs> <clears throat> I was around 23 years old. I had all zeal, zero knowledge. Okay? Just was passionate about Jesus. And I just drove into the Bible. And I read. And I, just, I was just so fascinated by the miracle stories. And I was like, man, this is awesome. And I remember reading about the story of the demoniac in from the region of the Gerasenes in Mark chapter 5. And I thought, man, that is awesome. You know, Jesus in confrontation with this, you know, evil spirit. And he casts out the, the demons. And, and I was just like, wow, you know, that'd be awesome if we could see something like that today, you know. So one day I was at Tim Hortons. One week old, Christian. Zero brain, all spirit, Okay. <laughs> And I'm just standing in line, just pondering what I should get with my large double-double. And I heard this conversation taking place, uh, kind of in the distance. And it sounded really muddled, like, and I was like, wow, a very loud conversation these people were having. And so I, I kind of looked over and I realized, oh, it wasn't a conversation between two people. It was just one person, one guy just talking loudly, just but it didn't sound like words. It was like, so I was like, whoa, could this be like the story in Mark chapter five? And so I was like, so excited. I was like, yes, yes. I got my coffee and I was like, all right. So I went over to this man and uh, he was still, he's kind of, he was like, you know, just, he's not really understanding what was going on around him. And so I sat down right in front of him again, Zero brain, all zeal, okay? So <clears throat> sat down right in front of him. He's still, and I said to him, what is your name? And I was expecting him to be like, my name is Legion because we are many. And I was like, yeah, I was expecting that, right? So I was like, what is your name? And he's like, John. And I'm like, what? Oh, man. <laughs> that plan backfired, man. What? John. 
It was unacceptable. So I asked him again, no, 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 what is your name? And he, he was kind of confused. And I was like, this isn't working. <laughs> Whatever. I rebuked that evil spirit in Jesus' name. I just, I just said it like that. And all of a sudden, you know what happened? He was like, ah! And he smashes the table, runs out of Tim Hortons, and runs down the street. And I was like, whoa! <laughs> cool! <laughs> true story man true story i've matured since then but uh, i mean that was cool man we're going to be starting a new sermon series today entitled paranormal activity understanding our spiritual battle as i was pondering this sermon series of course that story came to mind and um To be honest, I don't know exactly what took place there, but definitely something uh, in the spirit. And so as I was pondering this topic, you know, I've been thinking about this for the last few weeks, actually. Um, I realized that this is a topic, it's such a monumental topic, it's huge. And it's a topic that is A, seldom talked about in the church, and B, it is often misunderstood. And given that the, the Bible talks about the enemy as the father of lies, I'm actually not surprised. But the Bible does talk a lot about the enemy. And it talks about our spiritual battle. But for so many of us in North American Christianity, we tend to ignore this topic. We even think that it's an obsolete topic for today. In 2009, 1,871 self-describing Christians were surveyed by the Barna research group, and they were just asked questions about their beliefs about God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Satan, and demons, and uh, so they were asked all these questions, and when they, when they came to the topic of the enemy, you know, Satan and demons, this is what the study showed, that 40% of those Christians strongly agreed that Satan is not a living being, but a symbol of evil. An additional two, uh, 20% said they agreed somewhat with that statement. Okay, so that's about 60% of those who were questioned believe that the enemy is not a real being, it's just a symbol, it doesn't really exist. 60%. Now, one quarter of that number, 26%, disagreed with that statement and said they believe strongly in, in, in that, the, the, that Satan is a real being. And then 10% somewhat believe that, And 8% had no idea. And so, when we look at that study, it shows that there are more people who do not believe that the enemy is a real being. There's more people who believe that in the church. I'm talking about in the body of Christ. I remember watching a movie called The Usual Suspects. Anyone see that movie? The Usual Suspects. There's a line in that movie. I like movie lines. You can't handle the truth. Anyway. There's a line in this movie. And it says this. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he doesn't exist. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he doesn't exist. Now, although that is a movie line, I believe it is true. Especially... In North America, where our worldview tends to be strongly 
naturalistic. What is real is based on what we see, taste, feel, smell, hear. And outside of that is myth. It's not real. And so the notion of, of Satan and demons, it somehow it falls into that category of myth and symbolism. But I mean, when I see all the evils in this world, you know, the absolute horror of what's taking place, even now, we don't really hear about this in the news, but the horror of what we're hearing or what we're seeing right now in the Congo, where, I mean, millions of people are being massacred there right now. Women and children are being treated just brutally as objects of sinful desire. It's, it's just unreasonable. It's unbelievable what's happening there right now. And when we see the turmoil that is continuing to unfold in the Middle East and just the devastation we're hearing about there, when we hear about the stuff that happens here on our soil, the evils that we see, the crime that we read about, and we, we even uh, experience ourselves, maybe we're victims of, of abuse and crime. When we see that kind of evil, I can't help but think that there must be an origin to this evil. Well, there is, and the Bible informs us about that. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to be exploring this topic. And it is such a huge topic. It's a huge topic. And so we're going to attempt to look at this, but we're going to try narrowing it down. This, this huge topic, we're going to narrow it down by focusing on one passage, one text. And that is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. This is where it talks about the armor of God. And we're going to look at this uh, for the next few weeks. And so let's, let's turn there. If you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses 10 <clears throat> to, tw- to, to 18. Sorry. Chapter 6, verse 10 to 18. It says this. Finally. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And so today we're going to focus on the first three verses of that passage, verse 10, 11, and 12. And we're going to actually look at it backwards. We're going to look at verse 12 first, and then we'll, we'll move backwards, okay? And so verse 12 says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. 
Now, Paul seems to be thinking that the church is confused about where this spiritual battle is taking place, and most importantly, who this battle is against. Okay? Notice for a moment, he says in verse 12, that our battle is not against flesh and blood. He's reminding the church that our conflict is not with one another. It's not against flesh and blood. It's not with you and me. It's not with the the people around us. It's against something else. In the second half of verse 12, he says this, that our battle is against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, spiritual forces. You know, that part really sticks out to me, those words that he uses, rulers, authorities, cosmic powers. Paul is explaining to the church where all the strife and the evil that we see in this world, where it all comes from. It doesn't stem from people as much as we think it does. It has a spiritual origin, namely from Satan and demons. Now, the name Satan is mentioned both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It is a Hebrew word, which means adversary. And the word adversary means one's opponent in a contest or conflict. So the word Satan means opponent in a conflict. Now, the New Testament has another word for the same being. In the English, it's translated devil. In the Greek word, it's the word diabolos, which means accuser. And so both those words refer to the same being. And when we read about this being in the scriptures, opposing God and God's will is what he's all about. For instance, in Genesis chapter 3, Satan comes in the form of a serpent to tempt Eve by telling her to do what God told her not to do. In the book of Job, Satan brings severe trials and temptations to a blameless man who fears God. In 1 Chronicles 21, Satan stood up against Israel and King David. And in the New Testament, Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, was tempted by Satan who tried to make Jesus fail his mission. These these texts suggest that Satan is all about opposing the will of God. He is also the originator of sin. John chapter 8, verse 44 says this, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, the devil has been sinning from the beginning. And so those texts suggest that Satan has been doing this for a long time, ever since Genesis 3. And his aim ever since has been to tempt others to sin and oppose the will of God. That's what he's about. But let's look at verse 11, which says this, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The battle that we all face, we're all in a battle. Those of us who are born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Listen, we're, we're in a war. It's a battle. Every single one of us. And that battle is against the schemes and plans of the devil. But there is armor available from God. You see, the enemy is going to attack. 
The battle rages on, but God has given us the armor needed to be able to stand against the schemes of the enemy. You know what this tells me? This tells me something very important about about the enemy, about Satan. Satan is not omnipotent. He is not all-powerful. He does possess significant power, but he is nothing compared to God's power. It's not like God's on one side and Satan's on the other side, equally opposing powers. No, it's not like that, okay? God is all-powerful. God is over the enemy. James chapter 4, verse 7 says this, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The adversary, though he may tempt and throw all sorts of trials and tribulations at us, some extremely trying, kind of like what we hear about in in our prayer times, just the things that we go through in life one after another. But he is still under the power and authority of God who arms us with his armor. And this brings me to my final point. Ephesians 6 verse 10 says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. On our own, we cannot stand against the strength and power of the enemy. We need God's strength, God's might in order to withstand the attacks of the enemy. This reminds me of a story in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 of a king. He was Israel's king. Judah, the nation of Judah's king, named King Jehoshaphat. It's hard to pronounce that. Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. Okay, King Jehoshaphat. 2 Chronicles 20 talks about King Jehoshaphat and he's surrounded by three armies. He's surrounded by the armies of Moab, the Ammonites, and the Munites. They come against King Jehoshaphat. There's this great horde that is surrounding him. And you would think that if that happened, the king would just muster up his troops and say, okay, let's go. They're coming against us. And the first thing that he would do is prepare the troops for battle. But you know what he does? He calls a nationwide fast. Could you imagine if in the nations of the world today, whatever nation is being plagued by war at this time, if the president, the leader, was like, we're going to fast and seek the Lord. King Josephat proclaims a nationwide fast. And he says this in Second Chronicles 20, verse 12. We are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do. But God, our eyes are on you. Wow. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. Afterwards, God delivers Judah from the hand of this great army. And although Jehoshaphat was powerless, he turned to God and his power was God's power. God fought the battle and delivered Jehoshaphat from the enemies. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And God answered. Apart from God's power, we cannot stand against the enemy. But God gives us power. 
And that power is in the name that is above every name. It is in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the blood of the Lamb. That is our all-sufficient power. It's in the name of Jesus. Just like when I was a week old reading the stories about, you know, Jesus and the demoniac, one thing that really jumped out to me was this, was that Jesus was going around casting out demons. These demons who, you know, seemingly had all this authority had nothing when Jesus came on the scene. He was able to cast them out, saying, there's a new boss in town. And it's me. It's him. It's Jesus. He had that authority. And he says this in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, to his disciples. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. There is power in the name of Jesus. Church, we must realize this. Stand firm in this truth that there's power in his name. We are in an all-out battle. It's an all-out war. And our enemy does not rest from trying to get us to oppose the will of God in our lives. He doesn't just give up. He continues to tempt and throw tribulation and trials our way. But we can overcome by the power that is available in Jesus' name. And so what are you struggling with right now? What are your circumstances right now? Perhaps it's in a relationship. There's turmoil in relationships in your lives. And for some reason, communication is just breaking down. You just don't seem to be able to see eye to eye with this other person or people in your life, in your surrounding. Perhaps you are facing a difficult trial in your workplace. You have all these deadlines coming up, but it's just not coming through. You're, You're unable to focus and worry and doubt and all this stuff comes into your mind and it It's hard to discover peace and find peace in those moments. Maybe things are just going wrong all over the place. Things are breaking down. The kids are having trouble at school. Financial struggles. Our finances are running dry. Whatever, all these things, all these struggles and trials. When this sort of onslaught comes, we say, man, when it rains, it pours. But church, let's realize, let's stand in the name of Jesus and declare his name over our situations, over our struggles, over our difficulties, our trials, our temptations. Declare the name of Jesus so that we can be able to stand firm against the enemy. Don't let the enemy win. Declare the name of Jesus over our battles. And claim the victory that is available in Jesus' name. Jesus said this in John chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Our power is not in our own strength. There is a strength that comes from God 
as we abide in him. Another word for abide is remain. Continue. Reside with. As we abide in Jesus. Remain in Jesus. Continue in Jesus. Stay residing with Jesus. Ask him for the victory and he will answer. Like King Jehoshaphat who said, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you, God. Let us pray in that way and, and take comfort in knowing that these struggles we face, we don't have to face them alone. That God is with us through our trial, through our struggle. God is on our side. And if God is for us, who then can be against us? Let us pray. Father, we thank you and honor you in your presence here among us. You are faithful. You are a faithful God, unchanging. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. And Father, we thank you for sending us your Son who made it possible for us to come into your presence and that in his name we can overcome the attacks, the schemes, and the plans of the enemy. Father, at times it's hard to see. At, tar- at times it, it just seems overwhelming in our spiritual battles, Lord. And at times we're unaware, but Father, we ask that you would open our eyes that you would arm each and every one of us, that we may be able to stand firm in the name that is above every name over our situations and our struggles. That we may stand firm. We thank you that you are with us. And then in your word it says that you work for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. So we take our comfort in knowing that you are with us through our trials, standing with us, fighting with us, fighting for us. We put our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. May the Lord be with you. May his presence be upon you and guide you through this week and strengthen you in your times of weakness. May he be with you. And his peace be over you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a good week.